listeners, and welcome to another episode of the 1970. I am Ed, and joining me as always is Mark. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about, of course, the 3-0 win over Real Madrid. We do have that match against Leon to look forward to on Sunday, but we're still absolutely buzzing over the result. There's still a lot to cover, um, and Mark hasn't had a chance to give his thoughts on everything that went down on Wednesday night. So, Mark, how's it going, first of all? Well, uh, thank you for that introduction, Ed. It's going well. Um, another wonderful Saturday evening here in New York. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still occasionally watching those highlights on uh, on YouTube. Like pretty much once a day, I'll just watch the highlights just to remind myself that yes, we did do that, yeah. and that uh, it it just it, it's fun. It makes me happy. So anytime PSG can make me happy, I'm I can't complain too much. And that's exactly what Mel Brennan said in our PSG Talkback, our feature where we had fans around the world send in a video clip about them talking about the game. And he was talking about how it just made them happy. And, you know, 2019, I've tweeted this, it's been a rough year. I mean, we had that Manchester United result. We had a summer full of, you know, Neymar, is he going, is he not? So this was it was nice. It's a it's a way for us fans to just finally be happy about something. But let's just quickly jump into our, our five topics. So number one, we're going to be talking about consistent expectations. And what we mean by that is this team put in a result unlike anything we've seen or even expected with Kylian Mbappe, Cavani, and Neymar all out. Moving forward, is this something that we can expect from them? Now that they've proven that they are capable of this kind of performance without their biggest stars – what can we expect from them moving forward? Can we expect this kind of consistent performance throughout the Champions League and the season? This afternoon, I watched Barcelona lose 2-0 to, uh, was it Girona or whatever it was called? They lose 2-0. And if you went on Twitter, and I did this, and I went on Twitter and just scrolled through the scrolled, scrolled through all the people talking about Ernesto Valverde, you would think that this man had just gone three consecutive losing seasons and had completely sunk the club into a deep abyss. Like, you know, some bad NFL coach or some bad NBA coach that, you know, got two years too long and the team's terrible. When in all honesty, he compared to other coaches has been pretty good. Like they've won La Liga twice handily They were in the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the Champions League. They had that bad loss to Liverpool and that bad loss to Roma, which, you know, really did, uh, I think, sour any potential uh, backing that that manager would have. But in the end, the results are there for the most part. They're having a rough patch now, but you see the demand and the thirst for not just victory, not just winning. It's not just about winning. It's about how they win. And you can say that that's sort of spoiled and entitled and PSG fans would never get like that. But, you know, after, you know, the all the years that those Barcelona fans have watched that team perform at the highest level over and over again, winning Champions Leagues, winning La Liga with 100 points, Lionel Messi scoring like 100 goals in a calendar year. In the end, you expect to win. You expect to be not just winners, but impressive winners. And now, for the first time in a long time, Barcelona are going through a stretch where, yeah, they're they're still getting the results, but they're not being great in the eyes of their fans. So, you know, there are people on that website, on that platform that are volunteering to kill Ernesto Valverde. Like, that's how crazy these people are. And again, PSG fans are not really like that. But the point I'm trying to make is that over time, great teams build up levels of expectations. You expect to play well. And for, I think, all of us, that game against Real Madrid was a surprise. We didn't expect them to play that well. We expected them to just sort of survive the game, draw it, maybe sneak a 1-0 win out of there if they were lucky. And I was saying on the show before, I just wanted to see competence. And we saw beyond competence. We saw mastery of the game. We saw them master Real Madrid and take them into deep water and basically make them quit. And we've seen them do this before, PSG, I mean. They did it to Liverpool to a lesser extent. 
They had a 3-0 victory two years ago against Bayern Munich, which was a little more of a counter-attacking Unai Emery kind of win. That 4-0 Barcelona victory that nobody remembers anymore. So it's like PSG can do this. They've shown they can do this on multiple occasions, but it seems like every time we see this kind of performance, we're all kind of shocked and amazed and like over the moon when the sort of evolution of where you want to go as a club as and as a fan base is you want to start expecting these things to happen. This shouldn't be a shock. This should be the, the norm. They should know how to sort of come, you know, into a game with an undermanned squad and figure out a way to game plan and to get the most out of what they have. They just don't do it often enough. And Sunday, they're going to have to do it again against Leon with a lot of their attacking players out again. Neymar's going to be back. <laughs> but still, you want to see them start stringing together. And we say this all the time. We want to see them string together consecutive great matches. We don't want to see Leon, you know, dominate us and us either barely hang on or lose and us go, oh, well, it was a Champions League hangover. Like, and you know that's going to happen. Like, PSG lose that game 3-1 and everybody's going to be like, oh, well, they, you know, they played well in the Champions League game and it tired them all out. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know they, they, there's no way we could have expected them to come out with the same intensity. Bullshit. Come out with the same exact intensity you came out against Real Madrid. You're a professional athlete. And great professional athletes can string together great performances. Great professional sports teams string together good performance after good performance. And I'm not even trying to be negative because there's a lot of positives to take from this game. And I think there's reason to think that this might be different. Although, again, we've said that one before. But it's just, and I want your sort of what you think on this, that you just... You have to get to a point where you expect this kind of performance consistently on a daily basis, on a game-to-game basis. You can have hiccups here and there, but you want to be more shocked at the losses than you are amazed at the wins. Yeah, I would 100% agree with everything that you said. And we'll talk more in our main event about the Leon match and what our expectations are for that. But you're you're 100% right. The, we've been in this project now since what when was QSI 2012? I mean, we've been building up to this. We've had star players come in, we've had star players leave. We have never had as complete of a squad as we have now than ever before. You could argue that this is probably the best PSG team that we've ever had. And what we saw against Real Madrid shouldn't have been as much of a surprise. I mean, when you look at the players that we had and the continuity that we had, and, and, and we knew how good Idrissi Gay was. Not many other people really realized it, and we saw what he's capable of. And so when you look at the squad and how we've been building up to this moment, you're right. I want to beat Leon 3-0. Um, I was reading a stat that we haven't beaten them at home since November 2016. It's a, it's a hostile environment. We need to put in a performance, and you're right. They need to come out with the same mentality as we did against Real Madrid. But they've set the benchmark. I said this on PSG Talking. We, this is now the benchmark. You're going to only get better. You're going to get Neymar back after a couple more games. You're going to get Mbappe back. If you can do this against Real Madrid, I expect you to go into Galatasaray and thump them. And I expect you to just go to you know Real Madrid and beat them just like you did at home. That's the expectation now. Now, teams will move parts around and see what PSG are doing, but... Tuchel is a is a great tactician, and I expect him to be able to counter that. So, you know, the squad is fantastic. We've got a competent manager. He has slip-ups every now and then. Sometimes he's a little late to make a substitution. But overall, this is a great team, and this is now the expectation. What you did against Real Madrid, this is what you should do moving forward. And I, I, won't, I won't be okay with slipping up anymore. We need to be focused. This is like, you know, Leonardo is there. He's put together a team. He's not going to accept anything less. Every game, I don't care if it's Leon, Real Madrid, or Dijon, every game you need to go in there and thump them 4-0 if you can. That has to be the mentality. Well, if that's the mentality, it's not always going to happen, but you have no. to You have to see, and there will, be the games where there will be games where they're not completely 100% sharp. That's just mm. natural. But that PSG, like last, last April, May, they had about a month and a half of mm-hmm. games like that where they just weren't in that mood. And that was obviously because of what happened in, in March in the, that Champions League match. Yeah. But still, mentality-wise, 
that's a poor mentality to have. And you blame that on the players and you blame that on the coach. But now you're in a situation where if you are going to figure out a way to advance out of the round of 16 for the first time since 2016, if you're going to figure out how to turn this team into what Barcelona and Real Madrid and Juventus and Bayern are, where it's just consistent, the expectation is Mm -hmm. consistently great. You're not always going to reach that expectation. And for too long, I think PSG have had sort of a fake kind of expectation of that when it hasn't been reasonable to expect it. But even like Craig Burley on, uh, made a point during the during their debrief of the game, yeah. which is like, it, and it just it's it's an example of what people think, and they're right to think this. This is what PSG always do. Yeah, this shouldn't be impressive because they've done this like a lot. I think I think the stat is like 22 home matches unbeaten in the Champions League, something like that. Like they haven't lost since like ridiculous long time in in the group stage. They've been yeah in the group stage. But that's but and then they get into a big match and then it's the game you expect them to win that they lay the egg and that's not what good teams do. Good teams don't. You know what I'm like. Mm -hmm. You you never see. You'll see the Patriots once in a while slip up. Or you'll see the, you know, when the Warriors are at their peak, you'll see them slip up once in a while. But when you know that they're going in and they're playing the eight seed in, mm-hmm. the, in the first round, the Warriors are going to win that series. The Warriors ain't losing that series. Like you could pretty much bet your house that the Warriors are going to win that first round series. You got to be able to bet the house that PSG can beat Manchester United up two nil at home. Mm-hmm. Like good to great teams are able to do that. And you're not thinking about it. It's not an issue. And, this is where PSG have to get to. And I hope that over the next two, three months, they're convincing in the Champions League. They don't necessarily have to win that group, but at this point, they're really positioned well to do that. So it's just you you, you don't make it an issue. You beat the teams you need to beat, Galatasaray and Club Bruges. You beat them badly. You have that game against Real Madrid. You play it competently. Mm-hmm. And you... You just they just need to figure that part of it out. And we'll talk about sort of the grit and all the effort that they were able to put in. And we'll talk about that with the next kind of topic. But you're right. There is a bar here that has to be there. It has there has to be expectations. You can't waver from them. You're not always going to reach them, but they always have to be there. And you have to be fully committed to meeting those expectations. There's that old. I'm using a lot of sort of references today, but there's that sign on the on the Raiders, you know, in the in the tunnel of the Oakland Raiders stadium that says commitment to excellence. And like back then that used to mean something because the Raiders, you know, back before most of the people that were listening to this were alive. Yeah. The Raiders were one of the marquee great organizations in the NFL. Now they're kind of a joke. Yeah, but back in the Kenny Stabler days. Yeah, that commitment to excellence used to mean something. And that's what it has to be for PSG. They have to have their goal. They need to put it on the wall. It doesn't have to be commitment to excellence. I don't know if that translates well in French. But you need that goal. You need that landmark that you need to focus on hitting every single day. Mm -hmm. And if they can do that, then we'll get more of these victories. And the fans should be happier, hopefully. Yeah. Another shout out to Mel. He wrote that piece about how about like flow and how you get to a certain level where you're consistently performing well. And it starts really in training where you're competing against the best of yourself. And PSG have a squad where even their inter squad, you know, training sessions should be pretty competitive. Um, So it starts there and you build up from there. When you mentioned the Raiders, I thought you were going to go with Notre Dame, who actually played tonight against Georgia. I thought like play like a champion today. And uh, I thought against Real Madrid, two players that absolutely played like a champion. How about that for a transition? Was Adrian? And uh, in Marquinhos, uh, Marquinhos got the start in that uh, number six role in midfield. Idrissa Gay right off to his side. And those two players, I thought, played spectacularly. Um, not enough has been said about them. Uh, I thought it was funny. I would just point out ESPN FC, Steve Nichol. If you saw the he kind of like slandered Marquinhos. He kind of just brought him up as an example of how PSG's defense is awful. So that should just tell you everything you need to know about Steve Nichol. But moving forward, I thought that those two players were absolutely outstanding. And I thought that 
Tuchel looked at what was likely going to be Real Madrid's midfield, and he thought, you know, I've got play. If I put Marquinhos in there, they are absolutely not going to do anything, and we're going to be able to do whatever we want on the other side of the pitch. And that's exactly what happened. So, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from those two players specifically and how they work together. And do you think Marquinhos in the midfield is something that we're going to see in future Champions League games? I think yes, because what Marquin what you're able to do when you put Marquinhos is there is you put a better player higher up the pitch as opposed to putting him in as a center back, which again, he's a really good. I think he's a really good center back. I don't think he's like, he's not uh, Ramos at his peak or he, he's not like, you know, Chiellini and he's not like that kind of center back at his peak where he can just dictate the game and shut the other team down and just lead everything out of out of the back. But he's a pretty good center back. The trajectory right now for him as a defensive midfielder is really something. And the fact of the matter is he's played nearly, well, he's played over 200 games for PSG, mm-hmm. and he's only mm-hmm. 25 years old. So he still has six, seven years of really top-level play. And having him be a transcendently good defensive midfielder, which is what he's, which is where he's going, he just keeps getting better yeah. and better at the position, as opposed to having him be an above-average to very good center back. And quite frankly, it's easier to find center backs than it is to find good defensive yes. midfielders. That's exactly the point I was going to make. It's I think moving him there solves a big issue. Having Gay there as, as his partner is great. And then you, we we've got center backs. You know Diallo, Kimpembe. I mean we like you said you can find a center back that's competent. But that defensive midfielder that is a rare thing that you can find in football. And we we have a world class one that we didn't think was a defensive midfielder, but as it turns out he's a fantastic one. So why not use him there in a position where we absolutely need it. What you also have now is Idrissa Gay does not have to play six in mm-hmm. big matches, which I think is beneficial because I think he's talented enough. He's really, really talented at a lot of different aspects that we didn't really expect him necessarily to be. Like, I, I was hearing you guys sort of compare him to Blaise Matuidi in yeah. the in the show, and I think they, uh, Kia made a good point. This Idrissa Gay as a just a pure footballer is, has a lot more of technical ability than he was given credit for at Everton. Like at Everton, he sort of played a role and he played that role probably as well as anyone in the Premier League, maybe besides N'Golo Kante. But Idrissa Gay is a much more well-rounded player than just sort of a, a destroyer six. Like this isn't Grzegor Krakowiak, you know, just stand or, or, you know, there's, there's two sort of extremes here of, like Grzegor Kakoviak, who couldn't pass and couldn't run, or, you know, Leandro Paredes, who when he passes, he passes four feet to the left or four feet to the right, and he can't run either. Yeah. Like, Idrissa Gay is... Idrissa Gay is an actual, like, well-rounded midfielder, so putting him at the six, I actually think would inhibit him, as opposed to what he was able to do in this game, which was play in between Verratti and Marquinhos, you know, advance up the field when he had to link mm-hmm. up with the attack when he needed to, that second goal, that Di Maria, you know, world goal, world beater goal outside the box. He created that. He did. And he also is able to run back and track back and, you know, take the ball off Eden Hazard. Like if your skill set is that sort of, <laughs> variant where you can do both of those things in the same game playing the same position that to me is really some like excellent stuff and that's why i like what they did which is marquinhos can cover in behind guillet can get forward and he guillet can do guillet things and variety can do variety things and that's what psg haven't had in a while which is that balance which is that sort of it's a midfield that makes logical sense. And they were able to bring on Ender Herrera in the second half and yeah. really not miss a beat at all. 
like that was that is amazing. Like if you if you've been watching this team for a while and you've seen the kind of midfield players PSG have had to throw in there, the, mm-hmm. the makeshift goop they've had to try to patch this thing together with, and they were able to just take off Marquinhos and then bring on Herrera, and the game didn't change a bit. Mm. Like that's that's what leaves you optimistic. That's the difference between the big wins of years past in this one. They finally have the kind of quality midfield to back it up. Like they're not I don't think they're going to get overwhelmed tomorrow against Leon because their midfield's going to be good enough even if yeah. it's Herrera out there. I have no problem with that. He'll be fine. And I have a trust in him that he's going to play well. And then, obviously, if you're going to play Gouillet and Marquinhos, it's just not even fair. And I just want to add one more thing about Gouillet. And what I think is really impressive to me is that already the team understands how valuable he is. Yes. And I don't think it's one of those things where anyone's jealous of it. Anyone's sort of there's no sort of there's no. Adrian Rabio situation here where it's like Adrian thought he was better than he was and he was getting these minutes because he was a youth academy player and they promised that he would get them and he was playing them because they had to play him and sometimes he'd do well sometimes he wouldn't and he wasn't grateful for it and he didn't care about the team he cared about himself like this is just a totally different world of a guy who just goes out there and does his job and gives the effort and everyone appreciates the effort that he's giving the the players around him understand how good he is and they match his intensity and i think that it's going to help when we get the talent of mbappe and neymar back that they're going to have to do less work and that yeah. whole idiocy of neymar and mbappe have to play defense well, not really. If Gouillet's out there and Marquinhos is out there and Verratti's out there and they're working the way they need to, those guys really don't have to play defense as much as you you know they have yeah. to do a little. But it, it'll 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 uh, make up for some of that, I think. You won't hear that. You won't hear that as much. Yeah, is that your dog in the background? I hear. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think uh, your dog Jack totally agreed with everything you said. And and about the midfield, I would add that, you know, we brought on Herrera and you mentioned that we didn't skip a beat. And we also have Leandro Paredes that we could bring in in the midfield, uh, Draxler whenever he comes back. So we can cover for, you know, a little injury here and there or if someone's suspended. I think we've got some great midfielders that we could bring in. And Adrisa Gay, I mean, there's just Everton fans were just tore up when he decided to, to come to PSG because they knew how good of a player that he was and I just I don't think the the general football media they never give PSG any credit in general but they didn't really they just overlooked the signing and you could argue he's probably the best signing of the entire summer um so no, they were the losers of the transfer that's window. right we're they the lost losers <laughs> they, they completely the lost it transfer window despite the fact that we signed probably the closest thing to uh Conte that is playing football right now. I mean, he is fantastic. The only worry with him is that he doesn't know how to pace himself. He it's, it's a hundred percent or nothing. So I think Tuchel's enough of him to really make that, you know, we've seen enough of him to make that uh, point yet. I've seen enough of him where I want us to protect him at all costs and not overrun him because if we're going to win the Champions League, it's because that guy's taking us there. I mean, he is essential. Him and Marquinhos, I think are essential to us winning anything this season. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think it, it always comes down to health. Those two yeah. have to stay healthy the whole way. They can't miss. They can't miss. You know, they can't miss a game. They can't have, miss a big game in the knockout stages. Like they, those, they have to keep that core together. They have to play every big game. Yeah. And if they do that, I think PSG have as good a shot as they're gonna have. So. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, there's a player up front that we need to talk about, Mario Icardi. Um, he came in. I feel like he the loan deal was done primarily to have him in the squad to play against Real Madrid. Otherwise, we'd have to go with Chupa Moding, who had scored three goals in three matches. But he's not a player that you would want to start in a match day one against Real Madrid at home. So Icardi came in, and I thought he did well. That first goal uh, that Di Maria scored was pretty much set up when, when Icardi did that kind of nice little flick and set up Juan Bernat for the cross. So and he had some really nice touches. I thought he played well with his back to goal. 
Um, I, th- I just thought he, he wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't terrible considering that he just playing with these guys for the, the first time and his first game with PSG. So I thought he did well. Now the question I want to ask you is, moving forward, should Icardi play over Cavani? Let's say Galatasaray, everyone's healthy. You got Neymar, Mbappe. Who's in the middle? Who you got? Well, it's not like I set up any of these questions beforehand, <laughs> but um, here I'll repeat what I said on Twitter. If you think that Edinson Cavani should start over Mauro Icardi, you are on crack cocaine. That would be the only reason. Either that or just a blind devotion. And you could see it on that game against uh, Strasbourg when the fans were chanting Edinson Cavani's name like he was some sort of deity. Look, he is, and I have to say all this stuff ahead of time. I know it's the, it's the beat, we're beating the dead, we're beating the dead horse. He's a club legend. He scored a whole bunch of goals. He's had great moments. He works hard. He loves the club. Blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. Mauro Icardi did something in that game. He wasn't spectacular, but he did something in that game that Edinson Cavani has not done his entire career as a PSG player. He put a body on a motherfucker. Like, he put his big ass into those center backs, and he pushed them back. It was like a Dennis Rodman rebound. Just You put your yeah, ass the one in, play in the first, The one play in the first half, they played a long ball to him. And he just, I think it was Varane. It was either Varane or Militao. He backs, him, he backs his ass up into him, and he physically forces him into a yellow card to pull him down. Cavani never has done that. He doesn't do that. That's not his game. Yeah. He's a different kind of striker. He's a different kind of striker. And Icardi can do the same kind of things Cavani can, but Icardi brings that. That's what Zlatan did. Zlatan was a big, physical, intimidating player who could body you mm-hmm. and who could beat you with skill. Icardi is the closest thing to Zlatan we've had since Zlatan left. And he's got that, that bit of arrogance to him. He plays with a bit of flair. He can. He was pressing that whole time he was in there with a bad, whatever injury he had, because he ain't playing against Leon because they had to sort of put him in there to. because obviously you're not going to start Chupamoting against Real Madrid. That would be insane. But he pressed. He was physical. I don't care. I don't, I don't want my um, striker, like, playing on the right side trying to, like, play defense. That's not what I want. Like, Edison Cavani does that stuff, and it's cool and all, and it shows that he works hard. But in the end, who do you want in that game? You want a guy like Mauro Icardi who's going to force the center backs to work. And if Edison Cavani is not forcing those center backs to work, he was forcing them to – and I mean it like this. He forces center backs to think, which is different. Like, they have to know where he is but they don't have to put a body on him physically. Accardi makes those guys think, and he makes those guys have to be physical, and he bumps with them, and he tires them out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the difference. Yeah. And you know what? This is this should not be the Edinson Cavani retirement tour. You know what I mean? Like, it's about what's best for the club going forward. And as much as we appreciate what Edinson Cavani did, and I know that this is a, a touchy subject because – I think more than with most clubs, PSG has this sort of club legend complex where it's like you can't slander some of these people and you can't, you know, not slander, but you can't constructively criticize any of these people. Edson Cavani's had three muscular injuries in the last year. Mauro Icardi is 26 years old. This isn't tough. This no. isn't a difficult the difficult decision. If you have the if you line the five of them up, the five attacking options we have: Neymar, Mbappe, Icardi, Di Maria, and Cavani. Cavani is five. You can make an argument that it's between Di Maria and Icardi for who should play. It's and not it, a it's not a discussion. Chupamoting obviously is six, but. <laughs> <laughs> or Sarabia is six and Chopa Moting is seven. I don't know how you want to look at it. But any way you look at it, it's not Cavani in that top three. And and no one's – Cavani's not striking the fear into any opponents. Let's just be honest. If you put out a lineup with Mbappe, Neymar, and Icardi, 
or even Di Maria in there, the opposing team's going to be like, shit, like we're in for a hell of a 90 minutes trying to stop these guys from scoring. You could argue that that is the best attacking trio in all of Europe. I know that Manchester City put eight past Watford today, but I, I don't know. If any of their players would start over Mbappe, Neymar, and Cardi, maybe. I don't know. Di Maria. I mean, we've got great options, and I'm with you on Cavani. He's a club legend. Put a statue of him outside the park if you want to. Use him for league on games. Let him pad his stats and and have a nice little farewell at the end of the season in the last home game. He's done a lot for the club, but he's just not doing it anymore. I don't know how many opposing teams are really that afraid of Cavani. He misses a ton of chances. He doesn't have the pace. He can't make those patented runs that we're all used to seeing. And you hate to see it. He's just getting older and he's had injuries. And that's why he's rumored to be heading to MLS. I mean, that's kind of where aging stars who are injury riddled go other than a lot of time, although he is aging, but he doesn't have the injuries, but you know, it's, He's just. It's time for it's time for Cavani to take a seat on the bench, and we love him. We're not meaning. Yeah. Go ahead. It's just, and you know what? It's like, and this is part of the issue. Is like you got to let go at some point. You have to understand that he's not coming back. The guy that scored like fifty goals in that season, yeah. that sixteen seventeen season, that guy ain't coming back. That was the end of his prime, and PSG got the most possible out of that guy at the end of his prime. Well, here's he, here's max, the, he maximized his time. There was, if, there was, you know what I mean? He maximized it. Absolutely. And so here's the question I want to ask you before we move on to the next topic. In January, you know, strikers, clubs are always looking for him. Do you sell him if someone comes in for him? No, because somebody always gets injured, and it's better to have him than not. If okay. if that's what happens, you can't. You, you can't. You, it, it would it would be. He, he, there's no reason to. They're not going to get high value for him. Okay. If he's going to enter Miami, like it ain't like anybody's coming fifty million for the guy. Like it's not worth it. It's just no. you don't need the money that bad. Right. So like if he, somebody gets hurt, he could step in and he can he can give you a quality effort. I mean, Icardi's younger. He's healthy. He's motivated. I mean, he's on a loan deal. He's got to prove himself. He's looking to kind of reset his career. These are all the things that you would want in a striker when you have him on a loan. And he's, he's world-class. I mean, I, it's a no-brainer. But speaking of the attack, we've got Di Maria. He scored two goals against uh, Real Madrid. Could have been more. He had another little – he decided to do a chip that didn't go in. Should have been his third goal. But he was just everywhere. And so I wanted to just talk to you about his consistency, the way he's able to be so clutch in, in Champions League matches that we've seen. But he's also a little bit inconsistent from time to time. Do you think that Di Maria has – kind of flip the script and he's ready to be more consistent in these big games? Or do you think it's kind of a game by game, whether he's up for it or not and, and who we're playing just kind of your overall, overall thoughts on Di Maria. My overall thoughts are that we seriously have to have the conversation of, is he a icon of this club? And I think mm. that time and time again, when nobody else wants to, or when nobody else is capable, this guy makes clutch play after clutch play. He scores clutch goal after clutch goal. And these are not tap-ins. Yeah. This dude is scoring world-class free kicks against top-level opponents in the biggest possible matches. And yes, there are games where he doesn't do that. But that's the kind of player he is. He is a flash player. He is not the kind of player that consistently gives you, you know, B-plus performances or B performances. He's not Messi. He's not Neymar. He's not that kind of player. What he is is he's a guy that at any given moment, at any given time, can be as good as the mm. best player in the world. That's true. That's And the goals he's scoring are Messi goals. They're not... You know, they're they're Ronaldinho goals. They're they're Ronaldo goals. Like this dude is doing these things in big matches. Like I can count again, he did it against Barcelona in the four 0 victory. Underrated one. He scored he scored against Ludogorets to in like the last few minutes to save us from an embarrassing yeah. 
home loss in the Champions League to a team that nobody's ever heard of. Was it away at Napoli he scored that basically made it so we would advance out of the group stage last season? <laughs> no, that was home. Or home, yeah. I mean, we needed that goal to that, get the draw or else. That goal, they, don't make, they may not make it out if they don't score that goal. Yeah, exactly. By that game. So all these goals he scored, all the great free kicks, you know, his passion for this club. And he's a guy that's passionate for it. He gives his effort. Sometimes it's not there. Sometimes he can't, you know, he's not, he's not great statistically. You know, statistically, he's not quite there. But man, oh man, like, I just think he deserves appreciation for being that kind of dude. And it would be better if PSG had more of those kind of dudes. And if, you know, if if Kylian Mbappe can, when he, you know, develops as a player, can be that kind of guy where in those clutch moments, he does his thing. And, like, I'm, I'm not going to bring it up for – I'm only bringing it up in terms of contrast, which is guy had a one-on-one against uh, David De Gea to win that – to essentially seal the game last year in the second leg, and he fell over his own feet. Now, this is not saying that he's not a clutch kind of player, that he can't be. He's still so young in his career. But you look at it and you go, oh, this isn't easy. Scoring big goals in big matches is actually pretty hard. Who would have thought? Yeah. And it's like, it's it's not the norm to do this. It's not normal for, like, just any old player to go in there and just be a, you know, to be that kind of player and to be that clutch. But here's Di Maria doing it over and over and over again. Against his and old I, team, too. Yeah. And I think you just have to have respect for him. And again, he didn't score against uh, Real. He didn't score against Manchester City and sorry, Manchester United in that first yeah. leg last year. But he was the guy that created all the goals. He also screamed at the fans and told them to fuck off. Yeah, no, <laughs> you get club legend I, status just for that. Yeah, I mean they, they it didn't help that they lost the next leg and <sighs> but but you know that's the kind of he's the kind of player that I think we spend too much time and this is an issue I have with, you know, the sort of analytic crowd. And we have a couple in our fan base that we, you know, this is the issue I have with that. You can look at stats all you want. You can look at whatever nonsense or even the valid sort of measurements you have about sports, but it's about, it's about make it's about scoring in those moments. It's about being that kind of player. That's what this is about. It's about winning not about who controls the ball longer it's not about who dribbles best it's about when you need a goal and you need someone to break a game open and you need someone to to do something special Di Maria does it and that's going to bring up an interesting thing because PSG do have a glut at the attack position mm-hmm. and when Neymar and Mbappe are healthy they're going to play and there's no reason they shouldn't but is it Neymar Mbappe Di Maria Neymar Mbappe Icardi do you somehow find a way to play a 4-2-3-1 to get all of them on the field? But then you start screwing up the midfield. Which you don't want to screw up because it was... Which, which you don't want to do. <laughs> so if, so you will have to make sacrifices here. And I don't know if Di Maria is that guy you sacrifice because he can do those kind of things. Maybe it's a case you start him and by halftime, if he's just not there, then, then that's when you make a switch. It's kind of... One of those situations where you hate to move a, make a substitution too early, but you know you got to throw him out there, see if he's in the mood, see how he's reacting to whatever defense the other team's playing, and if he's on, leave him. If he's not, you got to be able to pull him quickly and, and go to someone else, whether that's a Sarabia or you know if maybe Cavani, who knows. Um, so it's also, interesting. Also, Neymar does do a lot of what Di Maria does. Yeah. So it, when Neymar is playing. Di Maria becomes a bit more expendable. So you could get away with not playing him. Yeah. But, you know, let's be honest. When is Neymar ever really fully healthy for long stretches of time? So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where you try to get rid of the guy. You try to minimalize him. But here he is again, making a big play in a big match. And he's 31 years old. This could be a case where this could be the best of on how Di Maria that we see 
I mean, next season, he's going to be another year older. Who knows what happens? So let's just enjoy him while he's here. Let's support him while he's here. And hopefully he can go far in this tournament and he can help lead us there. Um, he was nominated, I'll just mention real quick, for the Champions League Player of the Week. Although he didn't win, they gave it to uh, Hollande at Salzburg. So uh, there's that. So the overall, the Champions League moving forward. PSG, we're at three points, obviously. You got Bruges right behind at one, Galatasaray at one, and Real Madrid at zero points. So we still have one more game against Real Madrid and then two against Bruges, two against Galatasaray. We're winning this group, right? Uh, not so fast, my friend. Um, okay. It's it's PSG. We, we always have to preface this. But it's also the group stage, which we usually win, and that's how they get our hopes up and then crush us. <laughs> yes, there's, there is that. But I look at it more like I don't care about winning the group. I don't care. Because we've lost, we've finished second in the group, we finished first in the group. That's not what matters. It matters. We still get Barcelona, Real Madrid anyway, or Bayern it, it Munich. Doesn't, no what. None of it makes a difference. Just <laughs> it, it, they'll figure it out, and then PSG will have to play whoever they play, and it's not worth. It's you know, it'd be nice, it'd be bragging rights to win a group with Real Madrid in it, but I'm not gonna like, you know, go all out for it. I don't look at it like that. You know, I don't okay. think it's it's something they should be like over. They should be trying to win every game, but not for the purpose of winning the group. If that is, makes sense. Is, is Real Madrid going to qualify out of this group? Yes, Real Madrid are going to qualify out of this. I group. mean, let, let's say we beat them away. So it becomes trickier, but then it's like, OK, did either Club Bruges or Galatasaray look like and they, they they played a scoreless draw? Like let's not let's not blow this out of proportion. Real Madrid didn't get a shot on goal. I joked on the other podcast that like the PSG talk contributors, we could go out there and I think we could at least kick it from halfway and get a shot on goal oh, or something. Well, well, speak for yourself. Um, I I know I can do it. <laughs> speak for yourself. Um, no, it's they're gonna get shots on goal against Galatasaray and Club Bruges. I don't but know. Let's see, they, they they will. It's it it, it it'll be it'll come down to. Can PSG draw at the Bernabeu or win? They could probably get a draw. And if that's the case, they win the group. Mm-hmm. And then they can pretty much, at that point, hopefully they've won all the other matches and they can, like, sit their guys in the last game. And That's important. Maybe. It's just, okay. I, I look at it like, I think pragmatically as the fan, I look at this, I do look at this pragmatically. You got to get, min, pretty much 10 points qualifies. Most 10 points and you're definitely in. Right. Nine points, it gets tricky. Anything under nine, and you're starting to be in the danger zone. So, like last year, Liverpool qualified with nine points, and I think they qualified on like goal differential or something. Something like that. And they end up winning the whole thing. So it's not about first or second. So they already got three points that they, you know, if you looked at it before, probably didn't have much of a business getting. So they're. More likely than not, going to beat Club Bruges twice. That gets you to nine. Galatasaray, they'll beat them once. That'll get them to 12. And then the rest of it's pretty much gravy. So I think what that win did was it just eased a lot of people's nerves mm -hmm. about this. Like, I don't think it's going to be like last year where PSG had to play it to the last week and the last game. And, you know, all the pressure was on. Neymar had to come back early to play in that... uh, gulag that they played in against red star like they don't that's not gonna happen i don't think knock on knock on wood so that's what that win did and i think looking forward psg can look to just go ahead and dominate if they can obviously win but dominating would be nice and i think playing at galatasaray i really don't think that the crowd makes a difference with these kind of high level professional athletes I don't know. They're pretty crazy, and I will plug real quick. Um, we're going to have our correspondent, Lee Davies, going to be at that game filming uh, in the stands with the Ultras. Or Actually, I don't know where he's going to sit for this game, but we'll have some good footage from that of the Galatasaray fans, the PSG fans traveling. So look forward to that. But I think that game could probably be one of their toughest away matches, even tougher than Real Madrid, because they're just, no, I don't they're know, just no, such a wet blanket right they now. Don't have good, they, don't, they don't The players, when you get on the field, when the whistle blows, all that stuff is – it doesn't matter. It's not like you have to call – it's not like the in college football where you have to, like, call plays. 
and you hear the crowd on top of you, and it's like, it's hard to, like, these guys have been playing football their whole lives. They've played on tough, they've played in tough venues. Kylian Mbappe played in the freaking World Cup final. Neymar's played in the Champions League final. Like, a bunch of people with banners and flares are not going to, like, affect these guys. What will affect them is if they don't show up to play 100%, and if they're not fully invested in the game. That'll matter. Like, I mean, hey, PSG had a whole, had everybody cheering for them in that game against United, and it did them no good. No good. So it's like, the better players 95% of the time are going to either win or draw the match. So... Like, I, I just don't put any credence into it. It'll be cool to look at. You yeah. may look at it at the beginning of the match and be like, ooh, pretty lights. But, you know, they're going to go out and play. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. If they're not – if they don't win, it's not because the crowd intimidated them. It's because they didn't show up to play. The only, the only way I can see the crowd really impacting them is if, you know, they're going to the PSG hotel and waking them up. It's kind of the getting there, you know, the traffic, fans beating on the bus. Um, I think that that could be – that could impact them a little bit, maybe get a little less sleep. But real quick before we move on to our main event where we preview Leon, I wanted to ask you, is there anyone right now in the Champions League that scares you, who you wouldn't want to play in the round of 16? You've got Bayern Munich is leading their group. Manchester City is, is top of their group. Has anyone really just lit the world on fire and you're like, I do not want any part of that going into the knockout stage? Um, I think City is a bad matchup. Yeah. Like, I think the way they are able to pass through the lines gives PSG problems because they're not going to be able to... I think, I think the physicality of... Gouillet and Marquinhos, I don't think that would work as well against a team that just is really good at picking out a pass and that one pass to just clear the line. Yeah. Like, I think that'll be a problem, and they haven't played a team like that before. So I think that might be an issue. Um, obviously, the tough teams are going to be the tough teams. But give me give me a, 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 a team that's maybe not a top team that you don't want to play. I, I'll give you mine real quick. I, I don't want to play Leipzig. I think that they could be this season's Ajax. I don't want to play them. I, they have young talent at every position. I don't want any part of that in the knockout stage. I think we can beat them, but it's going to be really tough. And I wouldn't be surprised if they upset us. I mean, they're really good. I watched them today against Virgil Bremen, I think it was, and they we won that match. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, want- maybe. That might be an interesting one. Ajax is always an interesting match, too. Yeah. Um, what about Borussia Dortmund? That'd be in interesting. years past, maybe. I don't know if they're at that same... I'm not sure they're that same team this year that they were Did last you, year. What about, they got, they've got Sancho, which is like every English fan's like favorite player right now, apparently. Yeah, but I don't look at it like... I don't look at it like, are you facing play, like players yeah. specifically? It's players plural, and it's... Sometimes, like, the reason Real Madrid lost to, to Ajax was because just syst- the system-wise, they just ran, <laughs> they just passed Real Madrid off the field. And it's like, it's more of a style, it's more of a stylistic thing. Like, in some of the, you know, I keep going back to this in this podcast, I feel like I'm overusing this Manchester United game, for examples, but in that second leg, it was kind of strange when United had more players that PSG sort of were able to match them better than when they played with less of their talent, but they also played a more direct kind of flop the ball to Lukaku kind of style that I think PSG were just sort of thrown off by. So it is all stylistically what you face and when you face it. But honestly, PSG have players like Neymar and Mbappe in those kind of big matches. If everything is equal and there isn't sort of a, a, a mitigating factor like RB Leipzig has good players. They don't have that kind of good player. Right. And if PSG are stable enough in their midfield and defense where they're not just completely capitulating and giving up cheap goals, we should win. Yeah. yeah, That's why I'm saying like the only matchup that if everything were even that I think gives us real problems is, is city. I would agree with that. City's the main one. I mean, Liverpool, but they're right now. I mean, they lost to Napoli, Salzburg. Liverpool, too, but I think Liverpool is more. And I think that they're. Liverpool plays the style that PSG can deal with more, I think. 
And, and I think I was telling a buddy of mine who's a big um, Liverpool fan. Shout out, John. Um, but I, I told him, I was like, I don't think Liverpool is really prioritizing the Champions League. I think it's all about the Premier League. If they win another Champions League, people will be excited. But their fans want the Premier League. It's been decades since they won it. So I think they're prioritizing that. And right now they're bottom of Group E. Salzburg looked really good. I mean, Genk is, you know, kind of trash. But it's. I think... They have an uphill battle to qualify for the knockout stage. I would still favor them to 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 move on, but I think we can handle them as we saw last year. We we topped the group over them, but they're they're a difficult team when they're in the mood. I think it could be really tough for us. So that was our Champions League uh, wrap up. Let's go ahead and move into our our um, main event here, where we're going to talk about Leon. So this. This is going to be a tough game. I mentioned earlier that PSG have not won there in that stadium since 2016. We haven't gotten uh, a win, so it's going to be tough. We're going to be without Cavani, Dagba, Draxler, Icardi, Kerr, Mbappe, Sarabia. There will be Neymar, so that's something to look forward to. Um, Leon is right now, they're in ninth place. They've won their last two matches, but they've got a bunch of draws. They they most recently just drew against uh, Zenit. And the Champions League won one. They've got a 2-2 draw against Amion, and they got a 1-1. On draw to Bordeaux, another loss to uh, Montpellier. So they're kind of having an up and down season. They've got some good quality. Uh, Slovenia's got a, a pretty decent squad there. Um, so actually, I'm surprised to see them down in, in ninth place. That stadium's going to be rocking. They're going to have lots of signs, I'm sure, or chance for Neymar. It's going to be a hostile environment. What do you think? We, we talked earlier about how we want them to go in. They set the expectation. We want them to go into this match like it's Real Madrid. Do you expect a similar type of performance? Leon are to league on what PSG are to the Champions League. It's <laughs> a good you analogy. Ex- you expect so much from them. And this year I was like, man, they got a real good team here. They could do some they could do some stuff. Like they got some real players. Memphis Depay for whatever he's meme worthy in a lot of ways, but he's also a good player on his day. You know, they have they do have quality Hussem Hussem Awar uh, maybe the best goalkeeper in the league in uh, Anthony Lopez. Oh no no no! It's Navas. Come on. Well, let's 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 <laughs> let's not get carried away here. Let's you gotta give him something. Um, it's got three champions. Like what does Lopez want? <laughs> yeah, but I in form, I think Lopez right now. Lopez has been tremendous for the last. He's year. he's a fine keeper. He's no Keelan Navas, but point taken. Go ahead. So, so the problem. With Leon, to me, is always that they get up for these big matches, they win when they're not supposed to win, and then when they're playing Dijon or they're playing Nantes, they sleepwalk for 85 minutes and they either lose or draw, and people are like, what's wrong with Leon? It's like, well, this is what Leon always do. Mm -hmm. So they're at home, they're playing PSG, Neymar's playing. I'm assuming they're going to do Neymar... Di Maria and Chupamoting and then take Chupamoting off at some point because he won't be effective and just go with Neymar and Di Maria ta- up top. This is a less vulnerable situation than in previous years because they've gone into this game usually with just weird, bad midfield combinations. Like Draxler's had to play midfield against them. I think Danny Alves has had to play midfield against them. So they're coming in with a healthy midfield, you know. I don't know if Gouye is going to play the whole game or if he's going to start. They don't really have to. They can play Herrera and play Verratti and play Marquinhos. They can bump Marquinhos back into the defensive, uh, into a defensive back role or center back role, and they can play. Um, God help us. They could play <laughs> Leandro Paredes. They have they have options. So it's not like they're totally bereft of ability here. So. It's not like I think Leon's just going to run over them like they have in recent years where Leon just are able to overwhelm PSG's midfield and create turnovers and create scoring chances. I think it'll be better than that, but they'll still, if Di Maria and Neymar aren't brilliant, they're still going to have trouble scoring. Yeah. So, again, I don't expect what we've seen the last two years where Leon have just been all over them and really have sort of outplayed them. But I don't expect PSG to sort of route them either. So I don't know if that's much analysis, but that's kind of where I am with this. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, you look at that squad and so many uh, first-team players are out. 
I'm really interested to see how Tuchel lines up here. I mean, are we going to see maybe Herrera get a start here? It's possible. Um, is Mounier probably going to start it right back? I wouldn't mind seeing Paredes out there just to see what he can do. I mean, he's still, I mean, we spent $40 million for him. Let's see what he's got. Um, I was just looking at some of the pregame quotes. I mean, Tuchel's saying all the right things. We have to do the same thing as we did against Real, but it's never easy to follow on from such a game. So he he's understanding how it's going to be hard for them to get up for such a big game, but he, he it's a rivalry game. It's on the road. I think he's expecting to win, but I'm interested to see how he lines up this team. What's the back four? Maybe is Marquinhos going to go back to the, his center back role and maybe move someone different. Like I said, Herrera into the midfield. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Neymar. He's going to have Chupa Moting in front of him again with uh, no help on the bench, really. So it's really going to be up to him and Angel Di Maria to uh, create something. Um, I expect Leon to kind of sit back and maybe try to hit us on the counter. It's possible with uh, Memphis Depay. So it's going to be interesting. Um, Give me a prediction. Give me a score prediction. (laughs) I'm going to say... I'm going to say 1-1 because I just don't know where the goals are necessarily going to – I think Neymar will get you a goal because he's just that good. I think he can get you – and remember, Neymar has never played Lyon on the road. So this is the first Mm -hmm. time he's ever actually gotten to play in the stadium before. Yeah. So that will be interesting. I think he'll get a goal. It's just – Lyon just always show up for this game. That's where I'm like, PSG won't won't get overwhelmed, but Lyon do – get up although not having in in Dombele in there is going to help PSG because in has been a destroyer over the years for them didn't look too good for, uh, for uh, Tottenham today as they lost to some crappy team in the Premier League but Leicester Leicester they lost to the ah. two years ago remember yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they're gonna miss him a lot I don't think they have I mean our midfield is gonna overrun them the attack is the only place if they pack it in five at the back and just play negative football. We're really going to struggle to break that down without some of our attacking options. So I'm going to say 2-1. Why not? We'll get a late penalty. We'll score. We'll go home. 2-1 is my prediction. Um, what we're going to try to do... Is, uh, try- is um, our friend uh, Clement Turpon officiating this game like he always does? Oh, I didn't even look. We'll have to... I'm sure someone will tweet it out. Um, yeah, he... Bra- he usually <laughs> always does. Like, this game, he always officiates it. The Turpinator... Yeah, I just expect them to be there. So, um, hey, maybe maybe we'll get a VI. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say 2-1 PSG, late penalty. That wouldn't have been called by Turpin, but VAR is going to give it to us, and that's how we're going to get the goal, and Neymar is going to step up and score. So that's my prediction. Um, and I, w- I was going to say that we tried to get our friend Rabita uh, Farouk, who runs the Olympic Lyonnais uh, podcast. It's called Leon Offside. If you want to follow them on Twitter or uh, subscribe to their podcast, we're going to try to get her on after the game, forget her thoughts on it. We tried to get her for a little preview. We weren't able to make the time work. Uh, so we'll reach out to her and hopefully have her on to talk about the match. So look forward to that. Um, Mark, we're coming up on an hour here. I feel yep. like we've covered a lot. We don't have any Twitter questions. We had a lot to talk about, so we'll get to those on the next episode. But do you want to plug anything or your Twitter? Do you have any last uh, comments you want to make? Well, um, follow us. Follow me at Mark Damon One. Um, I think that this is going to be an interesting two weeks. Uh, they were going to play Reem on Wednesday, Bordeaux, I believe, on Saturday. Yes. Yep. They play Galatasaray on Tuesday, Oct- October the first. October first. Yes. And I will be for that game. I will be down in the city in Legends Bar, uh, watching with the uh, PSG Club New York. So if you uh, if you're from New York and you head down there, uh, I'll be there. Say hello. I'm uh, happy to talk the te- talk about the team. Uh, should be fun. I didn't. I I can't get down there as much as I'd like. Just because I work every week and I work all the days of the week and the weekend are kind of for professional football, the American version and me taking my, you know, my naps. But got to have a nap. Gotta Love have a good nap. nap. I, I work really and I work really, really hard. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to have a lot more time on my hands coming up here. So maybe I need to make a little drive from Tennessee over to New York and go to Legends Bar and hang out with you guys and and cheer on PSG for a big Champions League game. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, it's only like a 12-hour drive. Like That's not so bad. Just, you know. Yeah, just make sure you can afford the gas. And <laughs> If um, anyone from here, from Tennessee to New York uh, can just meet me, I might need some gas money. Um, 
Just, yeah, no, it should be good. Uh, map. We'll get there at some point. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the 1970. Thank you for being the best part about PSG talk and, and listening and reading and interacting with us. Um, we really appreciate it. So follow us on social media at PSG talk. That's our handle across the board. So reach out, subscribe, follow us. We're everywhere. We're only getting bigger. So jump on board now. And uh, Mark, you have anything else left to say? Uh, Big Heads Podcast Network. Yes, go ahead and uh, join the Big Head Podcast Network. They got tons of podcasts. We're on there. All of our podcasts are. So go ahead and uh, they're helping us out with hosting and and everything else. So big shout out to them. All right. um, (laughs) For Ed, this has been Mark saying our blah for now. (laughs) 